An uplifter is a compelling leader who tries to breathe life and hope into people around them. Who listen and care and guide and help. Whose way of being in the world inspires. Who uplifts with humor and understanding. Who leads by example. Don't judge. Vulnerable. Bold determination. Who are here to create a better world. Who can learn and teach. Who encourages you. Who shines their light to lead other people. Who uses their best self in order to help others. I found the life that I liked and I worked toward that. We are all uplifters. Mwah, big love. all about helping women live their very best lives, believe in themselves, step into who they were meant to be through her coaching, through her trips. And she really is one of the most uplifting and encouraging women that I know. Welcome to the Uplifters podcast. I'm your host, Aranza Savas, and I've had the great joy of working in coaching and behavior change for 20 years now. And along the way, I've met all sorts of women with extraordinary stories. Today, I'm going to introduce you to one of them. Our guest today is Julie Hardigan, and Julie is an uplifter in every sense of the word. Every room she walks into is just a little bit brighter, and not just because of her effervescent and contagious joy and smile but because her life story reminds us all that when we are true to ourselves, we are able to have more impact on the world with our lives. And we are able to have deeper and more meaningful connection with other people. And we just feel better in every way. So today we're going to hear Julie's incredible journey from a career in engineering to her life as a celebrity chef and recipe developer who appears frequently on morning shows. And you've probably seen her on television somewhere over the years. She's published thousands of recipes. And now she's helping other women live their best, truest lives through her work coaching and leading transformational food, wine, and culture trips through Italy. Julie, thank you so much for being here. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me so much. And thank you for that intro too. You've already lifted my day just from hearing you speak that way. Thank you. My favorite thing to say is that uplifting is contagious and it is. I will leave this conversation and all of our listeners will leave this conversation feeling a little elevated, I believe, Mm -hmm. based on your story. I am here for that. So let's start with this transition from engineering to being a chef. So how did you even get into engineering? So outside of my brain. Ah, so funny. It's so funny. You know, don't you want to go back to your little 17 year old self and just hug them and be like, oh gosh, it's so confusing right now. So I was just really good at math. And I grew up in a very blue collar environment where my family didn't always have enough. And I kind of had, well, we had enough love, but we didn't, you know, have all the things. And for me, I just, I had a really lovely childhood, but I always wanted to see the world and just do more and and get out there. And the, the best path, it truly had nothing to do with, I want to be an engineer. It was a path to go get a very stable career. And 
I mean, I graduated high school in 87. So, you know, engineering in the late 80s, early 90s was like one of the, the better careers to get into. And I could do it. I filled out a bubble form that was sort of like, what are your skills and interests, you know? And I didn't know I'd been waitressing and working in a supermarket. And it was math, engineering, accounting, or architecture. You know, the math, I was like, well, I don't really want to like teach, just teach. I want to have a corporate career. I want to get out there and travel and do things. The accounting, I was like, meh. Like, no, you know, some people love accounting. To me, even then I knew architecture sounded fascinating. But believe it or not, I had a high school guidance counselor tell me I could not, as a woman, be an architect. Because the things that were said to me as a young woman, and I just had to really plow through. But ironically and interestingly, the type of engineering I decided I really wanted to be was an industrial engineer, which combines people and process. Because I knew I was a people person. I just wanted to be an engineer to go do the things. So yeah, I got a master's in engineering. I did process engineering in a manufacturing plant. And then I went and did tech management consulting all through my 20s and early 30s. Wow. And so for you, it sounds like this stable professional life was really also about freedom to be able to go see, do what you wanted to do. Oh yeah. And really give myself a different life and give my my daughter is a different life. I have two daughters that are in college and, you know, I actually grew up with their dad, which is interesting too. Um, and I'm now happily amicably divorced. That was another major change in my life later in life um, for us both, he and I both to get to be happy and truer and live the way we want to live. But yeah, it was, it was about stability, but I have to tell you the whole way through, I remember being an undergrad in this intense engineering program. It was seven guys to every girl. 12 to one in grad school, I'd be the only woman in the room all the time with lots of things being said to me. But interestingly enough, like the guys were more like your brothers. It wasn't like that. It was more that you had, there was definitely a lot of sexism about women in tech, even through the nineties, it was that way. But even as an undergrad, I would say, I'm just going to do this engineering thing to set myself up, make some money, buy a house. And then I'm going to open a B&B with a cute little gourmet shop in it. I always had my mind's eye on something in the food. It was just always about food for me. I I was the little kid who would eat the weird thing. I would order the thing no one ever had. I would stand behind my grandma, anyone's grandma, especially I grew where I grew up, it was pretty diverse. And if someone's grandma was making something I'd never seen or had before, I was like, you, I need in on this. I'm going to stand behind you on a little stool and write it down. And I wrote my first recipe. It's on my website at julieharding.com for rhubarb crunch because my grandma's rhubarb crunch. And I wrote that when I was eight years old by standing behind her. Like it was always there. It was just finding her, giving her permission to come out and and letting her out, you know? Yeah. So talk about that. So you've got this stable career. It sounds like you were, you were doing it. You were successful. Oh yeah. I was on partner track. I was rocking it. And you know, I, but I was the person on every consulting project. We, we, I was a road warrior. I was always traveling. I was always the one who would research ahead of time. And this is before the internet. You could, I mean, the early nineties, you couldn't just go online and find things. I would be the one figuring out, picking up the free newspapers. Who's the chef in this town? What's the, the like iconic cuisine? I was the one planning all the travel for all of us, you know, like on vacations, even I'd be the one picking the location and finding the cool places to eat. And honestly, even with this intense and lucrative career, I would come home weekends and help a friend who was starting. He now has a few successful restaurants in Hoboken near where I live. I would help him like cater parties just for fun. I would help him open his restaurant just for fun. So 
I was always looking for the way to do that while still having the other. And it was really, it was quite the process to, I use the word, give yourself permission a lot. Cause I think that's really all we as, as humans need is to like look inside and give ourselves permission to do what we want to do. And it took a while to get to that. It's interesting as I listen to you, because it feels very clear based on the way that you're telling this story, that some of your core values are curiosity (laughs) Which I think we've now, I mean, just in these first few minutes, we've heard you reference your innate curiosity and how much that energizes you probably 10 times already, which Mm -hmm. speaks volumes for what that means to you and your personal satisfaction. And then this feeling of freedom and Mm -hmm. the ability to explore and discover and do things on your own terms. And then this problem solving aspect. And so the thing that I think is really interesting is that you were embodying and being true to all those values in your career as an engineer. And then you decided to shift that attention into a different way of honoring those core values. So talk to me about that big moment of transition. How did you work up the nerve After living with some lack, maybe financially and some uncertainty there to go back and try something. Oh my gosh. My ex-husband, I'm so thankful. He was extremely supportive of me wanting to make this shift, which enabled me, right? I was able to stay on his benefits because for a lot of people, when they go to, it's such a, so sad about the state of healthcare, right? We should all have access to it. But that was something that was limiting me at at a point or a lot of people would limit them. It was not a September 11th driven decision. A lot of people did change their lives with 9-11. It was a huge, like, obviously, like, terrible, horrible moment. For me, what happened, again, this was always on my mind. I probably had a million different call. I actually had my eye on the culinary school that I wound up going to in New York City because they had a work study where you could work there as an assistant in the classroom, learning and exposing yourself in exchange for free tuition. And for me, I was like, that's perfect. No student loans later in, you know, in my thirties or whatnot. But so I was pregnant with my first daughter when 9-11 happened. And I was uh, living right across the river from lower Manhattan. I work on like one building over from the trade center. I was home morning sick. I was running tech training programs for Goldman Sachs. I had like 20 men working for me in the city downtown that day all the students at Goldman. I'd been in Windows on the World the day before testing the students. And again, it wasn't that 9-11, I mean, 9-11 for many of us made us realize like, wow, life is short. We have to really, I've always been a big believer in like life is short, really live it. Um, That was definitely one of those awful events that reminded so many of us of that. But what actually happened for me was it gave me permission to be at home for the rest of my pregnancy because my company went under. I was reporting, I was report, I was set up to actually stay trapped, Arancis, if you want to know the truth. And it's very interesting how some turns of events, it was, I reported to the president who was a powerhouse woman, who was a working mom. The head of sales was a working mom. They were ready to support me as a new mom with this pregnancy. They were ready to let me go part-time. They were making it very easy for me to stay in tech. The company went under and you know, what can be considered, and the economy was terrible after 9-11. And I looked around and I said, am I going to go and put myself into this stressful economy, stressful career, road warrior, not get to see my daughter and give my na- give a nanny half? And, and for some women, that's a choice. If they love their career, of course, that makes so much sense. But for me to do that for a career, I didn't really, really want to stay in. 
So that was my shift. I worked as a hostess while my daughters were babies, while I had my two daughters in a row. I helped organize townwide events in Hoboken. It's a, Hoboken, for anyone who doesn't know it, is a mile square city right across the river from lower Manhattan. It has about 60,000 residents. It looks like Sesame Street. It's all stoops and everyone knows each other. So I just, um, I plugged myself into ways to start dabbling in the culinary field, if you will, and in events while being a stay-at-home mom for two to three years. And then the second my little one who's now in college. The second she started preschool, I ran right into the city. And that was the day that I started working at the culinary school. So that was my transition period. And I loved being a stay-at-home mom. I was someone in my 20s who thought I didn't even... I was such a type A little tech consultant. I was like, I don't know what babies are going to do for me. I don't have time for that. I really wasn't sure if I wanted to be a mom. And getting to be home with them for three years was like such a joy and a gift. Just to, I try to always enjoy whatever I'm in, right? Yeah. So that was that was my 9-11 correlated, but not exactly yeah, story. Yeah. Well, and I think the pandemic was that for so many people as well. Whenever I think of the pandemic, the image I have is like a barrel of monkeys. Do you remember that kid's toy? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And you shake the barrel of monkeys and you throw them and they go all over the place and you don't know where they're going to land. And I kind of feel like these yeah. major events that we experience, 9-11 being one, the pandemic being another, it is this, it's just a barrel of monkeys and everything mm -hmm. gets scattered. And then we look up and we're like, am I where I want to be? Exactly. Exactly. Or do I need to get from here to there? And if so, how the heck do I do that? Right, 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 right. I've seen a lot of changes in personal life friends coming out of the pandemic, you know, not just people moving. Yeah, and I'm sure you have too. I agree. I agree with that. I think also early loss. I've lost, and this is like really um, interesting. I've reflected on this a lot. There were three close, close friends of mine who were very special to me, who were very informative in how I live. And they all died suddenly. Not, one didn't die suddenly, but like at 42, she was diagnosed with cancer and died from cancer in six months. So to me, they were very, very special people in my life. And I lost all three of them way younger than you would expect to lose a friend. And I think that, you know, as you're saying with 9-11, with pandemic, I think also with sudden loss, it can be such a reminder to really not squander your time. We get this one shake at life. Don't squander it. Like really make the most of it because we're not guaranteed anything tomorrow. How often do you go? I can't believe it's been a year. I can't believe that was a year ago. We do that all the time. I can't believe that was a month ago. Like for everyone listening, like our time is just like fleeting by. So enjoy it and maximize it and live your best true self while you're here. Yeah. I think that's so right. And yet, why don't we? Well, we don't because we don't know what's ahead. And that's scary. We've seen what other people have done. We've seen their paths and we're like, okay, that can be all right. Oh, but messages too, Arancis, right? Like, you know, I think especially as women, haven't, I'm sure when you became a mom too, everyone has an opinion when you suddenly, you know, but with your whole life, right? Doesn't everyone? Yeah, oh, everybody has an opinion. And I think it's way the norm is to stay safe and play it safe. Mm -hmm. So anyone mm -hmm. who's choosing not to is thus bucking against the norm and you're going to have to be ready. Oh man, the things loved ones would say to me like, oh, so much for those engineering degrees or oh, so much for, you know, it's okay. Like, And it's well-intentioned and it's based on oh, their experience. Sure. Yeah, they care. But you got to get real comfortable in your own skin and say, I love you and I know you're saying this to me with love, but I have to release myself from 
what your expectations of me are or were or what you think is best for me because I know what's best for me. I think Mm -hmm. once you can, as a woman, like untangle from that and not care so much about what other people think about you, people are always, I was just saying this to a girlfriend the other day, people are always going to have an opinion of you. It doesn't matter what you do. They're going to say something. So you might as well do what's true to you. Because even Mm. if you do what they say you should do, then some other population will have something to say to you. It's so true. And it's so important for us to say and hear. Because I think our brains, our imaginations are really great at conjuring all the ways things can go wrong. Sure. Yeah. And we can absorb all the stories of what doesn't work. And we can think about all the ways we can fail. We can... Mm -hmm flounder, we can feel unsafe. Right. And so that that's a big part of why we even have this podcast because mm-hmm. I just firmly believe that every time we hear a story like yours and we hear it worked out and sometimes it doesn't and then something else comes from that, yeah. we can all start to just turn up that little voice in our head that says, what if it works? Sure. Yeah. What if you flip it to what if it all works out? What if it's even better than that? Oh, man, you know. And also, what if it doesn't? I'm still whole and complete and wonderful and worthy. And, and also, I'm flexible because I'll say this. I didn't get into the culinary world and say, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I know exactly how this is going to play out. It's been, I've been in the culinary world now for 12 years and the adventures I've had here. One thing that's big, I think I would give as advice to anyone who's starting out anything new is get, again, give yourself permission. No one's ever going to like give you this promotion and new title. You have to just say, start saying yes to things before you are 1000% sure that you're ready because yes, otherwise yes, yes. you'll never be ready. And say yes to the adventure is another mantra of mine that like, you don't know what I started doing television, live TV at age 45. And you could never have told me that TV is in my future, paid TV is in my future, you know, like the different things Like you just, I think just go with your joy and go with your curiosity, like you said, and trust the process. And if you find something that you aren't enjoying, it's okay to stop doing that and go in a different direction. Yes. Stay yes, nimble. yes. Yes. Okay. So you made the shift to being a stay-at-home mom. Then you went and <laughs> yeah. you attended culinary school. What was your vision of what your life would look like after culinary school? Oh, gosh. Yeah. So if I told you the different things that – well, this is actually really – this was a good like uh, – I caught myself, thank goodness. So in culinary school, I started personal chefing because it was something that was accessible to me as a student. And my kids yeah. were still – my girls were still little – I started teaching cooking classes because that was something that I love to teach. I've always loved to do that. I was starting a little cooking school for kids and moms. I would get pulled into helping with events or catering. I kind of said yes to anything. If you want to know the truth, I said yes to free things, to unpaid things, because at that stage in the career change, you do that to make the connection to learn. Not for long, though. You have to remember your worth, right? It's like this fine line of like work for free until you're like, no, okay, now it's not free anymore. I took a class. It was, uh, I don't even know that I knew recipe development was a field. And Ice Culinary is where I went to school. And they had a woman in. She was lovely. She worked at Food Network. I wound up interning with her. She was a mentor to me, for sure. Sarah Copeland. She was wound up being at Real Simple Magazine and things. But she did a little class on a Saturday on recipe development. And I was like, that's interesting. Again, just like, keep your ear out. That's interesting. I took that one class and 
a friend of mine, a mutual colleague who we know named Lisa, who was a, a mom friend, had just moved from an editorial magazine to work at WW. And she said, hey, you know, I think you as the, the engineer brain, plus I've eaten at your home for a zillion parties and you've cooked for me and like your sensibility works for the kinds of recipes we need. So it started with like two recipes. But wow. the thing, the other thing I think for people who are looking at a career change, you never really understand or know how what you used to do will help you in what you do now. And it does. Nothing is not for naught. So mm-hmm. my consulting background paid off in spades in the corporate world. So coming out of culinary school, you know, a lot of people didn't have that corporate background. I did. I knew how to navigate companies and work with budgets and, you know, I'll be honest, like cross-sell, upsell, seek new project opportunities within any any client. And I worked with WW, Bed Bath & Beyond, Real Simple, major, major corporations. But then Arantis, it just kept shifting. It was like, oh, now there's social media to learn. Okay, I can figure that out. Let's Let's learn how to do Instagram <laughs> and Reels and Facebook. And okay, you want to put me on TV? You think I can? Okay, let's like, it just... Let's go, you know. I think mm-hmm. having that kind of approach is what allows you to. And I did know, I'll say this, I had a hard no coming out of culinary school on working industry hours. My daughters were little. I knew I'm not working nights and weekends. So, for me, food media, what they call it was the was the angle. Oh, the the watch out. I applied to a job. There's a company they do grocery delivery or huge in New York City called Fresh Directs, and they had a job posting with my culinary school for someone to create recipes for them. They do prepared meals. And I said, "Oh, okay, cool. Let me apply for that." So, <laughs> former management consultant Julie winds up interviewing with them, convincing them that they need a head of total quality management for their entire facility. <laughs> And I write a job description for it and they want to hire me for it. And I suddenly realized like, whoa, you just wrote yourself an engineering job. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? And thankfully there was a close friend of mine who said like, you just recreated your old career, but in a food. Yeah. But I think we also, as we grow and develop and shift and change, we have to always be, that will still happen to me. We we have patterns we fall back into that are, that are safe and secure and if we're not always on the lookout for them, it's really easy to go and, yes. I love that you brought this up because when I think about what you said about how you started at your culinary career, it was, well, I was really good at throwing these parties and I was really good at teaching these classes and this was easy for me, right? So it was tapping into places where you were comfortable and confident. On the other hand, you had this really strong clarity about where you didn't want to be, which was in a corporate role, in a restaurant, in that very structured environment again. So you have to consider like both what kind of work do I want to be doing, but also Mm -hmm. like where, you know, what hours, like what do I want? And I know I'm sure as you coach and when I coach, I'm like envision your life, right? Like do you want to be going into an office every day? Do you want to be sitting at a desk every day? Or do you want to, I actually had had worked at Food Network coming right out of culinary school and it was great. It was so much fun. I worked there and at a cooking magazine. So it got me into it. And Food Network wanted to hire me to be a producer. I thought about it. And then again, I said, wait, you know what? Like, let's go on your own and be creative and let this be fun. They love that you're corporate and that you can do this. But so I said no to some major opportunities to pursue myself and my own creativity, I would say. And you just couldn't have done that without, again, this sense of clarity about what you wanted your life to look like and what you wanted it to not look like. True. 
And we do so much visioning about where we want to go, but I also think it's super important to flesh out the visions of what we don't want. Where did we feel trapped or closed down in the last chapter? Mm -hmm. Where did we feel held back? Right. And let's not replicate those. But I, I do think, and I see this, it's funny, whether I'm coaching people in work or running or relationships, we have these tendencies to fall back into being a, into the places where we feel like, I know what I'm doing. Comfort zone. I know my way around here. I know how to succeed. I know how to have an impact. So I'm just going to go do that. And then we keep holding on to that stuff. And then Mm -hmm. we're like, ah, why am I still where I always was? Exactly. Exactly. So it's just like, I'm really struck by your bravery and your clarity and your ability to move forward and let go because it is, you, you use the word nimble before. I think that really to me is such a strong aspect of this story so far is yes and no, yes and no. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, always stay open. I think I've always been a very open person, which I think for me, food mm-hmm. is a connector, it's cultural, it's a way to, you know, and open in everything. Like don't also with ageism, you know, I've already seen, I'm 53, I'm going to be 54 in November. And, you know, I think also not, oh, as a woman, yeah, I'm I'm here to I'm here to like proclaim it from the mountains because so many of us hide it and you know honestly I get better the older I get. I'm wiser, I'm kinder, I'm more gentle with myself and with others and more with all the things. But also don't limit yourself anyone listening because of age. Like I have a client that is hiring me to run their TikTok for them right now. I'm going to be creating content for them. I'm going And you know what? The engineer brain says, I can like I can, I'm on TikTok anyway. I could, you, anything, there's not, probably a lot of people know Marie Forleo. Her book, I think, was any, Everything is Figure Outable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is like, let's not limit ourselves and say that, oh, I can't do that. I'm too, I'm too what? I'm too anything. Don't limit yourself, right? You can always stay nimble and stay curious and learn something new. Mm, such a good reminder. So you became a media chef. You yeah. were, again, really successful at it. You were having a big impact. You were Mm -hmm. constantly creating new creative challenges for yourself. And it feels like over the last few years, you've begun to make another pivot. Mm -hmm. I have. So there, yeah, there were, there were two quick shifts. So the first one was, you know, I always did work with brands and collaborations and created content that way. And then I started identifying and realizing, you know, people want to hear from me too, like me creating recipes for directly for women and coaching programs for women. So I started joyfully and spontaneously doing that during the pandemic because we were all home. I was hosting cooking clubs, you know, we'd go live and we'd, I'd give people ideas for things to make, but then it's funny. I went and, and I don't regret at all this like career sidestep that didn't honestly wasn't, didn't like, it was the first time that it felt like something I was working on wasn't like working and sticking and it was getting me really upset. I finally figured out you can't, sometimes you can't tell when you're in it you have to look a little bit in the rear view and look at it. I decided, you know, so I had in my mind's eye that I wanted to create these culinary travel experiences. I've always wanted to do this. My daughters were now in high school about to go to college. It's the perfect time for me to do this, but we're in a pandemic. And at the same time, a lot of my corporate clients who I was doing YouTube shows for and all different things, they lost budget and they disappeared. Mm-hmm. So it was like this, like everything shifted all at once for me. And I said, 
I'm going to just lean all in on creating online courses, online programs. And there, there's like a big, uh, for anyone who's an entrepreneur out there, there's a lot of talk in industry about passive income and online courses mm-hmm. and online things. And, you know, I do believe in them, but I think also my energy is so personal with people that they, I want to be with them in person or, or live and they want me live. And I just poured myself into whatever I apply myself to. I really, really try hard. I really work hard at, and I poured myself into building these things out. There's a whole terminology of like launching and launch event and funnels for people out there who know what I'm talking about. They're laughing right now because they know exactly (laughs) what I'm saying. And you know what? I have to say it was also because we had what? I can't even remember them all now. Delta, blah, 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 all the people weren't traveling. It wasn't a good time to launch a travel business, right? In 2021, even into 2022. And I have to tell you, it was the first time it was quite the like experience for me to say, wow, I've always actually kind of like, there are other areas of my life where I've like not been super successful with a career. I, that was a place where I always felt very good about things, right? Like I would apply myself, I would work hard. It was the first time that I worked hard and it didn't work. Mm. It wasn't easy. Looking back at it now, I think you're right. We have to have some distance. Yeah. What do you see as signals that maybe this this wasn't where your energy was most needed or where you were most engaged? It kind of boils down to a a should versus a Mm -hmm. uh, really excited about, right? Like I think I thought... I should be doing this because it mm-hmm. makes sense because a lot of people are successful at this. People are telling me I should do this. Not necessarily that this is the thing that lights truly lights me up. Mm-hmm. I love people. I joke that I'm like kind of a, um, a human golden retriever. Like let's play ball. Let's hang out. <laughs> let's have fun. Like that's my approach to it. I might hug you. I've learned to ask, are you comfortable with a hug? But you know, that's just sort of, and so for me, yeah, it's going to go to a should. Mm-hmm. That's the smart thing to do versus mm-hmm. a, this is what I really want to do. Because as soon as I shifted that to, I'm leaning all in on creating international women's like juicy culinary food, wine, culture, like how women like to travel, travel experiences. It's so amazing how when it is the right thing, how, how much easier the launch pad is, how smooth it is, how it's just authentic and real and the energy is there. So, you know, I started working on that honestly, just last spring. And it's like, I have a close friend who runs a women's adventure travel company for a decade. And she helped like coach me on how do you start a travel company? You know, what do you like, how do you even start that? And within nine months, I had like a fully booked sold out trip and bringing 15 women to Tuscany with me. And the thing that I wanted to do as part of this Arantis that I'm so excited about, we don't just go on a trip. It's we go meet with really inspiring women in Italy. I want to create experiences where women who want a shift in their life or who want who want that travel, who want that fun, who want that pampering, who want to experience the world in a safe, supportive way. You know, a lot of women limit themselves. They don't travel. They're too busy raising a family. They're too busy with their career. They're waiting for someday to go on this trip. I want to make them feel safe to come with me, but I want to bring them there or I am bringing them to really inspiring stories too. So they get to meet with the woman who, like that woman who raised her family on a vineyard and took over the vineyard in Tuscany from grandpa and like all the men in the village said she couldn't do it, but she did like that. Like 
kind of like a eat, pray, group eat, pray, love meets under the Tuscan sun meets, you know, it's funny how the pushing to something and saying you should do it. And it's the smart thing, but your heart isn't a hundred percent for it. How do you know? I wasn't as excited to do my job. I'm someone who really needs to be excited about what they're doing. I would sit down and go, I have to write these funnel emails. <laughs> and it just, mm. it just wasn't me. I wish I could have tapped myself on the shoulder six months into it and said, it's okay to stop and not do that. Yeah. Again, you use that word nimble. And I do think this is something that's maybe come up more often in these episodes than I expected this permission to change our minds. Yeah. And not call it failure. I don't look at my divorce as a failure at all. I look at staying in an unfulfilling marriage where you're not feeling yourself as for your life, just for the sake of it. Personally, for me, everyone's different. For me, that would have been more of a failure than peaceably letting go of a relationship that wasn't serving me or him any longer. To me, that's not a failure. That's growth. Growth. Yeah. Yeah. And so any mistake we make in our career, I don't even call it a mistake. It's growth. I learned Mm -hmm. so much about Mm -hmm. myself. I also learned, you know, personal development wise, how much I tied my worth to my work, which is not good. That's not good. I went back into therapy. I talked through it a lot. I tried to untangle that. You know, and you think about it, you trace back all the way to that little girl who was like, I want to create a life for myself. I'm going to work hard to to do this. So, you know, it's so interesting after, even after that whole journey to get to, you know, my early fifties and realize, oh, hey, wow, that's not a good, you shouldn't be so attached to that to define your worthiness and your success in life. Right. Another theme I think that comes up in your stories is that these difficult times are difficult. Oh yeah. (laughs) And they are the teachers that in every instance have allowed you to break through into greater joy and connection and purpose. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you can't predict. It's so hard to see. You can't, it's really hard to see it when you're in it. I think the best advice would be to always call back on, and we've all had those times, whether it's like a bad breakup or a job loss or loss of a loved one or health scare or a mental health crisis. Like we've all had those moments in our lives And it's to kind of remember, try to not relive the pain, but like recall how you felt in it, but then also reassure yourself that there was sunshine on the other side of that and learning and growth on the other side of that. Because when you're in it, so hard to see it. It's so hard to see out of it, right? So for anyone out there struggling in any way, please try to remember another time you struggled and then were so joyful or so happy or in your group afterwards, because life Life is those ups and downs. It's a roller coaster. Remember that movie, Parenthood? It's a really sweet moment in it where it says, I don't want to ride the merry-go-round in the circle. I want to ride the roller coaster. Uh, right? Without yeah, the down, you don't have the up. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely, I'm really just so excited. I leave in 10 days. I have the most beautiful group of women and they're, yeah, they're, and they're, you know, I'm so joyful. I'm so thankful that they're, they're coming with me and that I get to be part of their experience of sharing the joy and beauty of this travel. There are some that are going through divorces. There are some that are um, older single women who maybe have felt left out. Like everyone was off on the couple's trip. You know, our cultures, mm. women are left out a lot in a lot of ways, or they leave themselves out because they say, mm-hmm. Oh, I can't do that now. You know, yeah. I, 
my own mom and my my aunt like I know I know a lot of women I love I love a lot who have not said yes to themselves in life and gone on the trip and they now you know again life goes fast we're not guaranteed good health forever and you hit a point and you're like wow now like to get to a point of your life and look and go oh gosh I was meant to do that and didn't do it it's heartbreaking to me so to create experiences, like three mother-daughter duo is coming and the moms are like in their 60s or 70s, you know, quality time for mother and daughter to go and bond. And, you know, we're all so busy. It's long distance friends who don't get to see each other who are coming. Like, I just want to create such a, I'm so excited to create a magical, joyful experience for them. Oh, I'm so excited to hear the impact of this too, because this transformative experience that you're giving these women that's the thing about women. We are communal, we are social, and we are influential. And so every one of these women who are touched by the woman at the vineyard and the food that they experience and the scenery that they envelop themselves in and your beautiful spirit, all of that then will ripple out and infuse every person that they touch. And that will reach out to others. And I just think I, I, I get so inspired just imagining that. And it's all because you said, I'm not going to do what doesn't feel true. I'm right. not going to do what doesn't do what bring me joy. Do. I'm not going to suffer. Mm. I'm not going to shut on myself. I'm going to go and do what I dreamed of. And Lean into live. the joy. Yes. There's so much open. I'm sure you've felt this too. And for I've felt this like, when you travel and you're in a different place, your mind is open, your whole you're more you're just willing to receive, I think, because you're out of your everyday. You know, I know that's happened for me when I've been in another place. When you're on vacation in some magical beautiful place, you start to think bigger about yourself and your life and the possibilities that there are. And I'm going to be they don't know it yet, but I'm going to be doing some gentle like coaching and prompts and journaling and things to help. I believe that if you're open to receive when you're in that kind of an environment and you're, you know, you're taking care of yourself, you're saying yes to you on a trip, you're in a different place. That's when you're going to come home transformed, come home feeling different, ready to make change in your, in your everyday life. Let's bring those, that feeling, that message you got back into your everyday life. And you're doing more of these trips. It's not a one and done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. So multiple times a year, bring in Tuscany, fall harvest in Tuscany with a truffle hunt coming up in October. I'm keeping the groups really small too. We're traveling like girlfriends. We do Zoom calls leading up to the trip to get to know each other. Uh, Oh, it's going to be a blast. We have like a group WhatsApp chat. It's like 10 to 12 women at a time. I'm not, these aren't massive touristy things, but I'm adding new locations. So spring break in Sicily is coming next spring, which is going to be fabulous. And I'm scouting the Loire Valley, France, just in two weeks I go, which is, I I didn't, honestly, I was not quite aware until I dug in. It's an hour south of Paris, and it's where the kings and queens would vacation in these beautiful chateaus and mini castles that are now places you can stay. And it's wine tasting and bike riding and baguettes and French cheese, and it's going to be, so yeah, I just want to create, my goal is going to be to create magical, dreamy, transformative experiences for women to get to say yes to themselves and experience the world with me and with Chef Julie as their guide. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited for you and I'm so happy for you and I'm so happy for the world. 
Because you are a model of what this can look like and you're a reminder that it's worth it to do the scary stuff and it's worth it to stop shutting on ourselves and it's worth it to feel a little unsafe and a little uncertain sometimes. And there is a chance that if we bring our gifts and our passion, Mm -hmm. it could work out. And what if it does? Mm-hmm. It does. Like, exactly. Imagine up. Someone said that. Don't imagine down. Don't visualize down. It doesn't work. Visualize up. Another, and, and you know what, Arancis, and you're doing this with the uplifters. I'm so proud of you and excited for you. And I'm Thank so, you. I've been such a fan of yours for so long. We've been like you go girl friends for such a, oh, yeah. for such a time. <laughs> you know, I think it's so important to choose carefully what you feed yourself, like what you read, what you watch, what you listen yes. to. Surround yourself yes. with positive people who love you and support you, not just yes people, however, right. with people who see the possibility in you. And this is in your personal life. It doesn't mean you have to cut people out of your life, but con- like manage their messages because their messages are coming with love, but they are they might be limiting you. So be really, really careful of who you let into your, I heard someone say this, a mindfulness coach, your mind garden, like whoever comes into your mind garden better be helping you grow flowers in there, not creating scary thoughts and storms and like darkness. You want, you want your garden to grow, right? (laughs) I sound like such a woo woo person right now, but like only let the juicy, supportive, uplifting people into your mind, into your, your whole energy, you know? And you're right. That isn't just the yes people. And in fact, it's often the one, the challengers, right? And you spoke to that earlier. All right. So, so this is a good segue into our lightning round. What's one quick way you raise your own energy, Julie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. If I need energy, it's some kind of like walk outside or get outside. If it's a rainy, crappy day, I cuddle with my dog. (laughs) My dog Harvey is like Instagram famous with me and I'll cuddle with Harvey and I immediately feel better. (laughs) One easy way you boost other women. Oh gosh. Yeah. So one thing I do is I catch any woman who puts herself down. Because culturally, it's such a common thing. Oh, we, 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 we make fun of our, our hair, our clothes, our body, all these things. And I always gently say, hey, hey. And I counter that with like a more uplifting. And I try to just always share uplifting messages with any woman that I'm sharing space with. Feed yourself well, as you said. Yeah. One little way you elevate your community, the planet, or the world. I am truly on a mission to have just about anyone who interacts with me feel better after that, whether it's a smile for the stranger on the street or holding the door or asking the person without a home, can I buy you a sandwich? I'm going in this deli right there. I try to like in small ways, it's micro moments, people that can change other people's lives. We have so much power and impact just in how we carry ourselves. I try to leave each person I interact with just a little bit. Ripples. So speaking of ripples, we ripple out by connecting uplifters to one another. So who is a woman who has inspired you, who you think might inspire us? Yes, absolutely. Okay. My friend Caroline Scruggs is amazing. I actually met her through a women's entrepreneurial program. She's a singer-songwriter who grappled and dealt with the music industry and the level of rejection and you know, just like judgment, physical judgment she was receiving from that. And she leaned into coaching women in vocal embodiment using her talent. So it's like, how do you find your voice and find your power 
through singing and through songwriting, whether you're a musician or not. She lives unapologetically. She does the most interesting, creative things and lives unapologetically herself. And she's one of the most loving, wonderful people I've ever met. I can't wait to meet her. We made a joke on a recent episode that the scariest thing for me to do would be to sing karaoke on this show. So I just feel like... oh. You're okay. You have to have Caroline on. You're gonna love you. You're gonna love her. I can't wait. She was like, I want you all to break a rule every single day. Like, what's a rule that you have for yourself Uh, that's like limiting you, that's keeping you from joy? Like, be a little bit of a rule breaker with yourself every day. Just like really live life fully. Oh, she's so so great. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for being here. I am so glad you're in my life. I'm so excited to be go girlfriends with you. For everyone listening to this, share this with your go girlfriends, the ones who could use a boost today, your friends, your sisters, your coworkers. You know who they are, the women who are taking care of everyone else, but maybe aren't always finding time to take care of themselves. I hope you will take Julie and I out for a walk with you to go and see the world or maybe to pet your dog while you listen to us or make some dinner for someone you love. Because the more we hear these voices, the more, as Julie says, we feed ourselves well, the higher we can race. I am going to have links to all of your places in the show notes, but in case people can't find those, where should yeah. they look for you and these amazing trips? And I hope you're ready for us because awesome. y- these are like uplifter made. So we, we may- I think I should do a cuss, like just a we could just do an uplifter group, which would be I fabulous. Mean, I'm doing less. like groups like that, you know, like little like women's groups. So I'm everywhere. It's at Julie Hardigan. It's J-U-L-I-E, Julie, and then H-A-R-T-I-G-A-N, juliehardigan.com. Please come say hi on Instagram at Julie Hardigan. I post lots of fun adventures there and different things. Yeah, that, that's pretty much where I am on YouTube too. I'm cooking with Julie on YouTube. My YouTube channel is much more about healthy cooking. It's Cooking W Julie on YouTube and on Facebook. Awesome. Thank you. Ciao. (laughs) Ciao. Thank you for listening to the Uplifters podcast. If you're getting a boost from these episodes, please share them with the Uplifters in your life and then join us in conversation over at the upliftersspodcast.com. Head over to Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast and like, follow, and rate our show. It'll really help us connect with more uplifters and it'll ensure you never miss one of these beautiful stories. Mwah! Big love! Painted water sunshine With rosemary and thyme Dwell in the perplexing Though you find it vexing Toss a star and hover Be your own best lover Relish in a new prime Plant a tree in springtime Dance with idle hindsight Bring the sun to twilight Lift you up Whoa Lift you up Whoa Lift you up Whoa Lift you up Lift you up Whoa
right? In the pre-chorus, uh, right? Uh-huh. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, I stop stop crying. Crying. Mommy, stop crying. You're disturbing the peach. <laughs>